What's up, everyone? Welcome to So What Now, the podcast of four startups by a very, very new startup. My name is SJ. My name is Shelley. And together we've started an agency called Murmur. Yeah. Oh, how lovely. Synchronized <laughs> and everything. Um, so, Shelley, why did we call it So What Now? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> because we went and um, started an agency, registered an agency, purchased a whole bunch of equipment and did a whole bunch of things. Registered a website, registered made a, a website, logo. Made logos and went, so what now? So what now? <laughs> how, <laughs> do we, from here? how do we get in business? How do we not have panic attacks on a daily basis? How do we stay sane? And then we realized we couldn't afford a business coach because we're poor and a month in and decided to draw from people in the industry who have been at this either for years or for days or for hours and try and see what we can learn from them and what we can share with other people. Exactly. Yeah. Our first guest yes. is very exciting. A, a very, very, very exciting and we're very lucky to have him as our first guest. Because we um, had to do very little talking because he's <laughs> on the radio already, so he knows what he's doing. Um, by the name, uh, uh, an entrepreneur in the truest, purest sense of the word, um, a guy by the name of Brent Mindekew. Mm -hmm. He um, has started two businesses that he'll discuss. At um, least two that we know of. Yeah. Uh, one with his amazing fiance, Andrew Ross, mm -hmm. called Chaos Theory, which is a, a, a promotions agency. Um, but Brent is best known as South Africa's good news storyteller. Yes. Um, and he runs sort of the little media empire known as... The good things guy. The good things guy. Hmm. Welcome, Brent. Welcome, Brent. Have I, have I started a business? That would be a question that... Mm. I, I, two. I've, I've started two businesses. I've been very lucky and actually maybe i've started more and along the journey they didn't actually survive um, th there's a few that i can think of um if we if we go back to high school and and i don't endorse this in any way i don't actually think you could do it now did you sell drugs no close um <laughs> i sold student cards in, <laughs> in high school and to buy drugs to, to buy drugs no not at all scrap that mom if you're listening never um no in in high school so if you were underage and and this is in sort of 99 2000 2001 if you were underage you could get away i don't i don't think you could do it now but you could get away with going to a club with a student card yes and I oh, had a laminator. Yes. It wasn't even mine. It, the laminator <laughs> was at a company that I worked for. So you know Photoshop. I know Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great job interview. Good things, guys, is built off a legacy of illegality, is what you're saying. No. <laughs> entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. <laughs> it's very, and entrepreneurship is a very lonely road. Um, it really is. No, so, so student cards is, is what I sold. And we used them to get into clubs and everybody was using them. Um, and I didn't sell them for much, but it, I think that was the first business that I ever had that I'd, that I'd built, um, that I was selling these student cards. And from there, I tried various things in, in varsity. Um, I tried to open up a promotions agency because at the time I was doing promotions. So we would go into clubs and we were selling shooters and we were, I don't know, giving away 
Gillette razors or whatever it was that the client wanted. And I realized um, the, the commodity of humans and that you could use those humans to sell up to clients and I could offer a better price because I figured out what we were being sold for. It's like slave trade and it still is mm. in South Africa. The promoters get paid next to nothing and there's these in-between people that um, pocket all the money. So I tried to do that for a while, failed dismally. I think I was drinking out all the profits. It was during varsity. <laughs> um, well, giving, making students promoters of alcohol is probably the worst business decision ever. Or the best. Or the best. Probably the, the worst because you, you don't get profit out of it. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so, so, yeah, and, and that was sort of my younger years. And then, obviously, um, Chaos Theory was a company I started eight years ago um, doing, at the time, it, it was something called brand activation that not many companies knew about. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was re relatively new. Um, and now, I mean, brand activation and event agencies, you can find them on every corner. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then from there, uh, three years ago, I started Good Things Guys. So, so am I valid to sit here? I don't know yet. I, maybe we'll we'll see at the end of the podcast. Maybe you'll well, delete this look, afterwards. You're not going to win the, the new Entrepreneur of the Year award, but you are an entrepreneur, and that's Thank what you. we're looking for. Thank you. <laughs> so, tell us about. Um, let's start at the beginning. You, you started Good Things uh, um, Chaos Theory with Andrew. Yeah. So at the time, Andrew um, and I had had sort of. Uh, chatted about this idea um, I was working for uh, an event company in South Africa where we did Formula 3 racing in race cars on Kalami racetrack it was a really cool product um, it, it took really high-end consumers that would come to the racetrack and get to experience these race cars and drive around um, and yes, yeah. have like a really cool day out and, and we had I'd, one of those days and they rolled out the ferrari and as it rolled off the the, the truck the engine blew not my company okay. <laughs> sure, sure. what was it called let me just because <laughs> i need someone to blame I, I started um, working at Fantastic Racing fresh out of varsity. Uh, I, I started as a junior event manager. And when I eventually left there, I was managing the Johannesburg branch. Very young, um, but very eager, very passionate. And I wanted to do great things. And, and I think that was on my career path of, of doing great things. But Andrew and I had sat down and, and I wanted more. Um, I chatted briefly a couple of minutes ago about owning an own business. And I think it's instilled in you. So even even through working through the motions and working through different companies, you always have this want to work for yourself. Yeah. There's this thing, in, there's you a fire. Either, you either have it or you don't. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And for me, um, it, it had always been there. And I think um, it just got to a point where I, I decided to jump right in, to dive right in, and it was time to do it. And Andrew and I, I discussed the event management side of things wanted to be an event manager. I knew how to be an event manager. I was putting together these events on a daily anyway. basis. Mm -hmm. So it really did make sense. And Andrew um, talked me out of it. He said to me, "There are." so he owned his own company. He, yeah. You need to get him on the podcast oh, no, at some we, point. He, yeah, he also, he's on the list. So his brain is stupidly clever. He's in, in sports, um, sports marketing. He does sponsorships. Mm -hmm. and, and he needs to break that down. And you can link it back to this. But um, I nearly knocked over the microphone. Nearly broke. what we do, yeah. The, the brand's been <laughs> off the box microphone. And not a drop of gin has been drunk. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he, he talked me out of it and he said to me, there are too many people doing event management mm. things. 
and and so the market saturated what are you gonna do completely and also you're new to this field so how are you gonna get yourself out there you gotta, how are you gonna build the relationships that others have one million percent mm. so we came up with with this idea and and what was called brand activation um was to bring <laughs> boom boom the breaking of the studio continues well, version one episode one i'm glad to be on the inaugural podcast there might not be a second one no. we're breaking the we, studio down we might not have equipment to record a second one um so yeah we we brought in a whole bunch of products uh, very niche products at the time um we were one of the first companies to do digital photo booths in south africa yes which we were pushing out to all the different mm. um advertising agencies and corporates who want to do not take photos at an event it had nothing to do no. with the photos it was data collection not, yeah and it collected email addresses and and those brands could then speak to those people specifically um and and then uh we brought over an incredible machine all the way from america it was called flogos f-l-o-g-o-s that was me that was me yeah so um it was this massive 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 mm. big box uh, that took um helium and pushed it into foam. foam and then you would extrude it through the negative of a of a brand or a logo or something that you wanted to fly in the sky and it basically looked like a piece of polystyrene that was just floating yeah. in the air. It was beautiful. I remember him. And at the time, because of um, Andrew and I being in this sort of together, he had pitched me to Standard Bank, and Standard Bank had picked up on it, and we landed up doing all the cricket around the country, that these flogos were just traveling with the cricket. Um, it was really an amazing... Awesome. Yeah, and at the same time, I was doing uh, MTN joyous uh, celebrations. So the one part of my company was running around doing photo booths at all these joyous celebrations, these gospel things happening around the country for three years in a row. And, and on the other hand, we were doing flogos. Um, we then, I mean, we, we brought in a couple of other things. There was um, the Morph Suit partnership uh, with the Morph Suit UK. Uh, so you're the one to blame for that. At one time, I had 3,000 Morph Suits <laughs> in every color, for shape, you, just for size. You or? No, for the okay. government. <laughs> we, we held the stock for the UK okay. and we were on selling them or renting them. Um, to, to South Africans and it landed up being yes because I did have all the stock I would go to every party in a morph suit <laughs> so if there was going to be a dress up I would be in a morph suit more. it, would, it was hard rolled um, but the company evolved and the company got, got a little bit bigger and it started doing a lot better work and I spoke about gaining trust where Andrew, Andrew already knew that you needed to gain trust with clients and, um, and the first or, or the biggest job at that time that really did elevate us from a brand activation company into a fully fledged event company was an event uh, for a consortium of um, Alstom and they were launching in South Africa and it was the biggest event that I did conceptually it was beautiful mm. like it was something that I look back now and and yes that's a highlight in, in the career and it was also the time when I started to back away from um, chaos and Andrew started taking over. How long had chaos been going before this came in? Oh, uh, five years, four years, okay. four years, five years. I, I can't actually remember the timeline. The, the five-year overnight success. Five-year overnight success. <laughs> chaos started in a garage. It literally started in a garage. Um, I kept the photo booths all at home in a garage. I worked out of a spare bedroom that mm -hmm. I changed into a study, mm -hmm. and I was the guy for the first year and a half 
that was going to joyous celebrations and setting up the photo booth. Actually plugging it in. making Plugging it in and standing there and helping people put in their email addresses. Um, and it was a wonderful journey. I, I was the guy that went to morph suit events. <laughs> in the morph suit. In the morph suit. Um, so I did a lot of the, the drudge work, which is something that you have to do when starting a new company. Um, but I think it gives you a lot of skills and it gives you a lot of... Uh, I also think it gives you an appreciation for what it is that you do. Yes. Completely. You know, without it, you wouldn't... That passion just wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be there. You want that... You know, uh, I mean, at the time, you don't want it. Ideally, you'd prefer to pay, pay someone and yes. <clears throat> but just be swanning but around. But you can't pay with experience. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't... It, it, it gives you... It drives you. I was just about to say, I mean, you, you mentioned the experience. But, um, and, and that you would know that when you start off a company, driving a, a piece of very important documentation to the postnet and sending it yourself is a lot cheaper than FedEx coming to your office. Correct. Yeah. And, and you get to a certain point where you start to employ um, staff and the, the staff complement gets a bit bigger. And those things can very easily fall through the cracks. And when you're a smaller company and you really need to count your pennies, that's important to, ha- to know that knowledge. So that when at the end of the week or the month, you're looking through your, your statements and your accounts and you see a FedEx on there, you think to yourself, we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> someone should be driving to PostNet and sending that themselves. And that can only come from experience. That right. doesn't come from anywhere else. And, and yeah, since then... Um, so I've moved on. So Chaos Theory, I'm, I'm still part of the board. The company has grown to great things, but not because of me, um, in spite of me. It's the staff that have really pushed it to, uh, uh, not staff, the team, the team have pushed it to incredible heights and they've allowed me to spread my wings and to move on to good why, things, guys. Why, why did you branch out? Bored? No. Wanted not, something in, more interesting? Not at all. Um, so the universe is a very funny thing. And I think the universe, um, it, it, sh- it puts you where you need to be and you just need to, to be able to see it. And a lot of us don't see opportunities. A lot of us are um, comfortable where we are or in a comfort zone and we don't put ourselves out there or, or when we pushed in a certain direction, we don't action. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe... I believe greatly that action is the biggest defining factor between um, between change or between creating something. It's action. Yeah. Uh, there's there's what seven, almost eight billion people in the world. At any given point, right now, I believe there are a million people who have exactly the same idea as you. Exactly yeah. the same idea. Yeah. And there's a hundred thousand of those people that will talk about it. And there's maybe five people that'll actually do no. that'll try and do that'll try and do and and that's the difference right so so five years ago there was something happening internationally called neck nominations um this really silly game online uh where people were drinking as much as they could and and uploading these videos I remember, yeah. neck nominations and and then you had to basically you, well yeah. you had to out drink and then you had to put peer pressure on someone to do a to better video the same thing. yeah <laughs> and and i i'm not um i'm not someone who stands up and say don't i drink 
I, ha- I know how to give, have a good time. But during this time, I was watching Nick nom- nominations, which started in Australia, and it was sweeping the globe. Millions of people were uploading these videos. And it, made, it started this huge conversation in my mind. Remember, this is five years ago. Mm-hmm. So Facebook must have been keep four, five. How, I don't know. Yeah, you keep forgetting how young... Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, yeah. those things really Yeah, are. like I think I've been on, I get those notifications 11 years ago now yeah. on my Facebook memories. So it was like five, five, six years ago that, that Facebook was, it was still young. It was a baby. It was a toddler. Yeah, Facebook still needs parental advisory when it sees a movie. A million percent. <laughs> yeah. A million percent. So that was going on. On the other hand, advertising. So a certain burger chain had, had launched in South Africa that same year. Mm. You can go Google it. <laughs> and and the advertising agency behind and I hope it wasn't one of you if it is you're going to punch no. me <laughs> the advertising agency behind the launch had decided that they were going to give pick a number 10,000 burgers away but to people that could afford them so it was a radio campaign and the radio campaign told you to on a certain morning it would these billboards would move and you would have to climb into your car. So you needed to have a car. car. You needed to have a radio. You needed to have a car. You'd climb in your car. And petrol. then you'd... Dr- petrol. Yeah. You'd drive to um, wherever the billboard was. Take a photo of you in the billboard. And then you could get a free burger. And then you'd get a free burger, meal, voucher, whatever. Once you sent it to the radio station. So you needed data to send it as well. Great ad campaign. So it's, it's clever. It's engaged. Yeah. It's um, ticking all the right boxes. But missed the target audience. We're South Africa. Yeah. Mm. And exactly. at the time that this was happening, I strongly believed, and it, it, was, it was different thoughts happening at the same time, but I strongly believed that, and, and I'll take a step back, I know nothing about PR, but I strongly believed that if that burger chain had gone into the poorest of the poor communities, no cameras, no big PR machine, but just given away 10,000 meals. It would, uh, they Word would, would have still spread. be reaping the rewards. And you, you can't buy Correct. that amount of exposure like, because um, it's authentic. Yeah. And it's real. I got, I got neck nominated. So we take it back to that. Yeah. Yes. And that was the universe giving me an opportunity. I got you. What do I do? This viral trend is sweeping the globe. Millions of people are doing exactly the same thing. But here you have this thing going on your head you've also got a platform well i didn't have a, i had not, i've got my little social yeah. media look justine sack had like 30 people follow on twitter i think i had more on my facebook so that you you know that's when you start to realize that social media actually matters and what you say yeah. matters correct yes no matter how many people follow you correct if it's 10 people one of those people it takes one shit i didn't think that at the time yeah so i didn't realize the power of social media for myself but I got neck nominated and I was sitting at my desk. It was a Friday morning and I still remember thinking to myself, like, what do I do? Do I, do I try and, I don't know, change this game, this viral game, not, not even change it. Do I do something to maybe inspire the two people that I'm going to nominate? What do I do? Do I do nothing? Do I, do I, cause I don't agree with it. And I feel like we should be using our social media to do good. Um, do I just do nothing? So I, I decided, I grabbed a colleague and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a meal for a homeless person is what I'm going to do. 
and I'm going to video this. It was before poverty porn became a thing. Mm. I'm going to video poverty this. Poverty porn. That's what they yeah, call it now. It is. No, really? poverty porn's they call, real. They call it poverty porn now. <laughs> so I, I went and I bought a meal uh, with the idea to give it to the the next person who looked hungry and it's not difficult in south africa no. every single intersection has got someone yeah, who is in need so i gave the camera to my colleague it wasn't even a camera it was my phone <laughs> gave it my phone and i was like just record this we're gonna do it this is what's gonna happen and i handed over the sandwich and the chocolates and the cold drink and and i went back to my desk and i edited the first youtube video that i've ever put up um i remember that yeah that little video yeah. And, and I posted it online and I still felt stupid that that thought in the back of your yeah. mind. I was like, this is, I mean, I'm putting myself out there. It's like putting, it's a, pod, it's like putting a podcast online for the well, first time. Well, you should be greatly worried. <laughs> also having me on as a guest for the first Luckily, show. Luckily, you're doing you're, most of the talking. You're, you're, you're starting from a base of zero, <laughs> heading down to minus a million. Look, it can only get better from here. <laughs> So yeah, so I posted the video and, and within a couple of minutes, um, the video got 301 views, which I was really blown away. I was like, I cannot believe that 301 people have watched um, this video. How long ago is this? Five years ago. When you, oh. when you posted it, did you say, you must now follow this up with another action? Or Yeah, so yeah. I nominated two of my friends. Awesome. I was like, you guys need to do this as well. What I didn't know at the time is that when, when uh, back then, when a YouTube video starts going viral, um, it freezes at 301, and they have a they have a vi- they have like a viral check to make sure it's not like midget porn or. Um, with you. I don't know what, what someone's going to put up on YouTube. I know exactly. So you I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you had this trouble. But it yeah. Was way way more. Yeah. When I do when I do talks, I can see people like 301. How do you remember that number? But now I know. Like that's their number. But even back then, I mean, it, 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 that's that's before the days of six million hits a day yeah like 300 yeah, yeah. to a thousand hits a day was a lot was a lot then. yeah it was a lot so um yeah i left it and and i closed my computer and i spent the rest of the afternoon doing whatever i was doing and it was a friday so i must probably went for a drink um yeah, and then i landed up at a friend's birthday and and the friend got to her birthday wished her happy birthday and she took me aside and she said i'm so proud of you jeepers your that video you did i thought that the neck nominations thing was so doff um but I mean, you've got fifty thousand views. Sorry, what? That, <laughs> I mean, that was my reaction. I was like, "What?" And um, and yeah, then then partied the night away. Woke up on the Saturday morning, and the video had one hundred and fifty thousand views. Uh, there were international numbers that had phoned my my telephone number. My number was available online because of chaos theory and all of that. Mm. And and uh, at the time, I didn't know it was CNN and BBC and all these people. Um, on the Monday morning, I was on the Metro, the front page of the Metro newspaper, mm-hmm. which is the official newspaper that you get for free in the UK and all the tube lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, the, yeah, this is all in the space of three days. Three days. I landed up then. CNN flew a crew out to South Africa to do this African Voices piece on me. Um, I was on all the radio stations and, and all of those things here in South Africa. And, and it was great, and it was so foreign from what I'd ever experienced in my life. I actually kept a little diary of every experience that I'd been through because it was so um, wow to me. It was really just, I was being thrust into this whole other area that I'd never, mm. never, never seen before. And, and above all of that, more than all of that, 
millions of people around the world stopped drinking and started doing random acts of kindness mm. instead. Sure. Yeah. And they were um, they were tagging me and sending me messages and and just um, I mean it was so cool seeing someone in Canada going. I'm not going to do a Canadian accent. I suck at accents. But uh, <laughs> standing in front of a camera and going, I'm going to feed the homeless guys in the park because of Brent Lindekey. Like that was so amazing to me. So me coming from this average existence to being thrust into the space where it was just bizarre. So at what point did you kind of realize or decide that there's a business to be made um, I wanted to take, you know, that word that 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. Mm. So being going viral on the internet, um, is not actually becoming famous. It, it doesn't work no. like that, but it felt like that at the time. Yeah. And I wanted to not continue with the fame, but continue with whatever I could do to make a difference. That for me was the biggest driving force. And at the time, that's why I said there's so many things that were happening mm. at the same time. Mm. The less but it, the fame, more the impact. There, it's, it was literally the universe that was just screaming at me to do all sorts of things. Um, Gareth Clifford just left 5FM in the prime of his career at 5FM. Mm. He was doing the morning show and he'd stopped all of that to start what is now Cliff Central. Yes. And, and I'd seen that. And, and Gareth, um, back then I didn't know him from a bar of soap. And um, he was always a maverick to me in the industry. Mm, yes. Whatever industry, like he goes for it. He really goes for Other it. Other rebel in the industry. That's yeah. it. And I decided that I, I believe in the Cliff Central platform. It's international. It's global. Um, it's podcasting. Which, That's the beauty you know, of podcasting. Exactly. You have that global audience. And I decided that I wanted to be on Cliff Central. I wanted to, I didn't have a business plan. We spoke offline about business plans. <laughs> we'll actually get into that just now. Why don't you have a business plan? So, so unprofessional. All, all I wanted to do was share good news stories. I wanted to highlight good things happening in South Africa. And I wanted to do it, I believed, through the, the, the medium of radio or podcasting or whatever that platform is. So I basically stalked Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> I stalked him. This is not very good advice for any youngsters listening. Well, I think it's, it's the best advice. <laughs> it's, it's about it's action. No, it's, it's about action, but also it's about, mm. it, I think in a way, what's beautiful about it is it, it's about access. Mm. So you've, you've got to make it happen. Yes, yeah, it's not going to come to you. Yeah, he, well, he, he doesn't know who you are. Yeah. And so maybe you're stalking. Verging on something maybe come on. I'd use schmoozing gonna... or mingling. So <laughs> I use the word stalking because it's funny. <laughs> all, yes, all that so I did creepy. all that I did is I found out um like which clubs he'd be playing in, yeah. where he would sort of be, um, just so that I could have that not chance meeting, mm. um, to create that space to meet. And it landed up being an event, uh, funny enough that I was doing as chaos. Um, for Microsoft mm. and he was the MC at the event um, which which was the first time that I really got to speak to him but also having a business hat on it wasn't the right time or the right place mm. so we I mean we chatted we were sort of backstage speaking before he had to go on to MC and all the things that he had to do and um, I just said to him look congratulations on Cliff Central love what you guys are doing um, I'd love to chat to you more about maybe how I can get involved could I have your email address? Yeah. And he said, no problem. 
and he gave me the email address and um, he'd interviewed me on 5FM. So I don't even know if he remembered who I was mm. during the neck nomination mm. thing. But I, I emailed him the very next day. He'd given me himself and the station manager, Rena's email address. And I emailed the both of them and I just said to them, this is what I want to do. I want to do a good news show. I want to, I think South Africa needs it. Um, I don't have radio experience, but I do believe that I have a voice and, and that I'll be able to do something. And you got something to say, yeah. And, um, and they asked me to come in still that week. I think I came in like on the Thursday or the Friday, whatever day it was. And, and they said, yes, perfect. We love the idea. We think you'd be perfect for Cliff Central. And I started my very first podcast the following week, Tuesday. <laughs> I had never, I'd never run a desk before. I'd never had this, I mean, I'd been interviewed before, but I hadn't been on the other side. Yeah. And I mean, you can go back and listen to that show. It was awful. <laughs> is it available online? Pre- it is. That would be fun to come. Let's put so the link up, up on our Instagram. <laughs> if, Just if, to compare notes. No, if I have to say, it was nothing like this. So um, it was really, I was uptight and I, I didn't understand. And even though I had an objective, I wasn't comfortable. Um, it was all very scary and new. And also the podcasting on Cliff Central is not pre-recorded so it's just live yeah. so it's, a, it's very yes. stressful <laughs> so yeah i was on i was on cliff central um for about a, a year uh, every week every tuesday i was on but it didn't scare you no that, no what i'm saying is the first one being not what you wanted it to be actually drove you to push it as opposed to stepping away 100 percent. so one of the one of the things that i did after every single podcast was i sat with a notebook and a pen when it went live and I re-listened to them which is very hard to do I think if if you ever have to watch yourself on TV or listen to your voice it's incredibly difficult to do to hear your outer being it's, yes. it's really tough but I was very critical on where I was going wrong what I was doing what I was not doing right um, one of the worst things that I did uh, when I started podcasting was I had a list of questions, but the word I'm, look, I'm looking at SJ as I say that because he's got a list, list of questions. Also, no, are we still on track? <laughs> no, no, that, that's absolutely fine to be on track. But I had a list of questions that I that was the same list. It was like ten questions: Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? It was really just this um, this generic list to try start some sort of conversation. SJ's got those exact questions. <laughs> I have those literally. Question one, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Question number two, what do you, why do you do what you do? That's so funny. And then we go into the mode. That's so funny. The businessy questions. Oh, I feel like a football now. So after almost four years of, of being on the other side of the microphone, where were you going? You were asking about good things, guy. Yeah. I'm a radio host. I can go off on a tangent. No, because what and, and, and my reason for, for, for asking is that from a craft perspective, like you have an idea and you've got a story that you want to tell and share, but you need to become a good storyteller. You, it's very you want to invite people in, mm. but and, and you need to learn it. You, you, you did this without education. Your education was on the job. Well, yeah, that's what I also was totally on the job. Wanted mm. to check, or oh, slotting in with that is, and it is actually one of my questions. Yes. <laughs> one is um, relevant. Tick. Tick. Because I've also been wondering, like, if now you're going on your own, you, you've you've not got mentors per se. You, you don't have a person above you teaching. So, how do you learn? So I think they at Cliff Central specifically, 
it, it was me being critical of myself and really unpacking the shows and, and working them through. But also, um, I would go to Gareth and ask him questions. Mm. And, and I would go to other presenters because they were the most amazing. Casper de Fries mm. is incredible. Uh, That's it. And I would really just um, chat to them mm. and, and try to understand what it is that they do. Within the first couple of weeks, uh, one of my ta- I set myself goals. So in the first couple of weeks, I got rid of the producer. And on all of our shows, we had someone who worked the desk for us, but Gareth worked the desk himself. Mm. He's, he's on that desk and he's putting volumes up and down and he's adding his um, tunes in. And it's something that I saw and that I wanted to do. And I made a goal of every show watching what Duncan, my producer, was doing. And, and eventually, after a couple of weeks, I was like, stand here yeah. just in case. <laughs> but I'd, I'd like to do this myself i'd like to control the desk myself because then you're in control right mm. and i did and from that day you know you just you learn you get better you do better um be better i think that's that's mm. one of the things you asked about good things guy yeah first of august 2015 that website went live um and and it's just grown leaps and bounds since then it's a crazy it's a crazy it's actually a crazy thing what kind of traffic how well traffic volume do you get do you get on there per day so per day um from 70 followers to but if you take our social media following away from uh good things guy so don't look at good things guys the website if you look at all the social media facebook twitter linkedin Mm -hmm. we reach on average we do monthlies so four million people a month Organically followers to four million a month. Yeah, so organically. Our, our following is about it's sitting on about two hundred thousand now okay. followers. Organically is four million a month the reach. So you've also um, recently been on My Kitchen Rules. I'd love to know how. That, <laughs> firstly, I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> I'd love to know how that came about, and also how that's impacted Good Things Guy. Wow. Okay. So. My fiance Andrew Ross, who we've mentioned fourteen times in this podcast. <laughs> love you, Andrew. We love you, Andrew. He cooks really well, like super well, super well. Um, and I, I've only seen the pictures. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> you actually have been invited before. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so he cooks really well, and he really enjoys cooking. I um, cook to survive, or that's what I believed mm. before the show sustenance not food that's it like okay so we have to eat dinner i'm gonna have to sort that out we'll do i'll make something happen um but he really enjoys it and and he's really good at it he's a he's a natural cook and i i actually can't even put my finger on when it happened so he applied and it's almost like winning the lottery because you buy a ticket but you never expect to To win. win yeah yeah so yeah, he, he entered and I, uh, he said to me, he'd like to do this, but do you think we should? And I said to him, yes, like, sounds like a great idea. And, uh, and then we got that phone call and then we had to go for an interview. And it, we slowly made our way to this point where we were contestants on a reality show, which was bizarre. And <laughs> did they know about Good Things Guy and all that? Totally. Or? So okay. very upfront about it before, um, about who we were and, and how we fit in and, and what I do and what Andrew does. It's all part of the interview process. They knew, they knew exactly. Um, the only thing that we really asked them during the process was to portray us for who we are. Mm-hmm. 
They say that a camera puts on 10 pounds, like that's the saying. A camera amplifies your personality by a thousand. So who you are right now, then amplified. If you're a good person, you will be a better person. If you're a bad person, you will be a bad person. I mean, that's that's what basically was explained to us. And Andrew and I went in into the whole thing, just um, trying to have an adventure. It was our it was our biggest thing. You know, you only get these opportunities in the universe um, that come once in a lifetime. I think, and and we got to do it, and it was amazing. it's maybe most, we should have won. It's mostly Andrew. <laughs> I was about to say maybe. It's mostly Andrew, though. <laughs> hey! Hey! By your own admission. <laughs> so what did that do for Good Things Guy? Mm. Um, it gave Good Things Guy a face. Okay. So with writing, you are behind copy. Yeah. Mm. You're behind a piece you're of behind work. behind an article. That's it. So and now the good things have a guy. Guy. Okay. Good things have a guy. Yeah. I don't know if that's correct grammar, but we're there. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> so the, the good things have a guy. And um, that, that's what it did for me is it, it did elevate the platform. Mm. Um, a lot of people, we did, it didn't get promoted during mm. the show. So they, they never so much put good things guy, for, like this is good things guy, or I am the good things guy, or we never spoke about it. But if people Googled my name, then it, would, would coincide yeah and going forward what are your plans my plan is to inspire one person every day mm. um i hope that never changes that's that's really what i want to do in reality i hope to inspire a million people mm. every day and i would love for for good things guy to get bigger i would love um for more stories to be shared I'd love for more South Africans to see the country for the beautiful country mm-hmm. that it is. We have, we've played around with a pilot of Good Things TV, um, which we put together. Yes. Yeah, we're hoping to launch an actual program uh, in January 2019, but that takes money yes. and, that, and yeah. that takes sponsorship and those things. So we are working on that currently because <laughs> I think I just spat on Instagram. <laughs> you did spit on <laughs> You must remember that this is not, not that TV. Kind, not that kind of podcast. Not right. that kind of podcast. <laughs> So if you could go back and tell young brain pre chaos pre cars race fantastic race fantastic race so close pre fantastic racing brand this is what you can expect from starting your own company and running your own business what what one snippet would you give them being a business owner and entrepreneur is one of the lonely roads you the loneliest roads you will ever take the support systems are generally not there um, and entrepreneurs and business owners don't speak about their bad days. Mm-mm. So you're never going to sit at dinner and one of your entrepreneur friends is never going to sit up and go, I have no money because I couldn't take a salary this month. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. People don't do that. But the reality is that those things are real. In um, the whole chaos theory and good things guy um, experience and journey, I've realized that suppliers won't pay. And not because not because they're horrible, not because they want you to hurt, not because it's anything emotional, but suppliers, some suppliers, will just not pay because it doesn't fit into their schedule. Or the admin person just didn't, just didn't yeah. process, process whatever. And that means that you will hurt a little bit and there'll be many tough days. Um, but if you persevere and you do all those good things and it's meant to really happen, um, your business will survive. 
and you will go on to do great things. I, today, was a realization that I've had businesses that have failed. Today. Because I've never thought about it that way before. Yeah. My little promotional stint that I put together that really, it bombed out so badly. I, if I can find that one client that I hurt so dearly, I'd like to apologize. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, there will be failures and it will be incredibly tough and incredibly lonely. Um, entrepreneurship, it, when you get to a point where the business is thriving and doing great things, it gets a lot easier. But the first three, four years are lonely because people don't talk. It's a lonely road. It's incredibly tough. But if you can get past whatever that thing is, whatever the date is, whatever that job is, whatever the event is, if you can get past that, you really will succeed. Um, the universe gives you opportunities, but it also gives you lessons along the way. Mm. And you've got to just take every little hurdle, every little moment, all these things that happen as a lesson. Which kind of figures do you look up to? Like, who are your, we call them 10 gods. So who are your 10 gods? So I think one of the luckiest things that has ever happened to me for a number of reasons is meeting Andrew. Mm. Because, Aww. yeah, no, how sweet, eh? You should just put that clip out and send it to him. <laughs> Especially if we argue. Send that to him. No, so yeah, just send me a code word. And I was just like, Andrew, remember that podcast? <laughs> so as a, as a, as a fiance and a life partner, he is um, bar none. Like, he really is just the most exceptional human and um, has always supported me. When I talk about action, I also action some crazy stuff sometimes. And he, no. he continues to support me in yeah. everything that I want to do. He's always there. And he is incredibly clever. Oh, so yeah. along, along my, um, this path that I've been on, He's always given me lessons and made me see things in a different light. Perspective is incredible. Perspective can, mm. can mm. change your world. Um, so he is, is by far one of the greatest things that, that has ever happened to me uh, when it comes to business and, and life. And then on the other spectrum, there's a man by the name of Richard Mulholland who mm. owns a company called Missing Link. And Richard um, is my real guy. So... Richard is very, very real with me. And he, he's never, ever, ever scared to say the things that others won't. And he's also very clever in business and he's done really good things in business. Um, but he's, he's never scared to be real with me. And we need a real guy. Well, she's my real guy. There we go. You're, your real guy is your partner, which is an amazing thing to have. Well, yeah. But thank you very much for joining us. It really was an absolute pleasure. Your studio is beautiful. I'm sorry I broke the mic. <laughs> and spat on the thing <laughs> so out of this talk with Brent related to what we do and how we've been going along I think the thing that struck home hardest for me was th what Brent said about um, entrepreneurship being the loneliest road you'll ever walk. And that was something that mm. I had You don't feel alone in all the world. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't anticipated that. The moment I told my employers and all my friends and my family, I'm leaving a steady paycheck and steady medical insurance and all those things to start my own business, um, 
almost unanimously everyone went, oh it's going to be fine it's going to be great you know you're going to do so well it's going to be it's going to be awesome and you want to believe that and you do believe that and then you get into it and you realize it is a tough hard lonely road to walk you realize that the safety net is gone yes <laughs> and as 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 Brett sent, uh, said um the the networks actually aren't there like especially locally here in mm. this country entrepreneurship is hard it's difficult it's not an easy thing grants and all the rest of it aren't easy to come by yeah so that you know the the financial worry is there without a lot of help and it's also barring friends and family but even on that front like from mm. a personal front also um it, it's hard to to go home and go like like we are excited about what we do it's a really great like i'm really having fun but it's hard to go home and go well, we don't know if there's, you know, we, we haven't really got clients yet. We don't know if there's money coming <laughs> in. We don't know if we're doing the right thing. Because um, there's no, you're, you're now your own filter. Correct. And that's, on the one hand, the most exciting thing I've ever experienced. And on the other, the most and, terrifying. Uh, the most terrifying thing, because no, there's no one to, to tell you. And you're, you're up your own ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you if you have your own eyes. Oh, thank I you. Regularly. Thank you. No, uh, she does. Correct. It's, it's wonderful. Correct. So that for me was, was the thing that um, it, it was a revelation to hear it. And since I've heard it, I felt a hell of a lot more comfortable about being an entrepreneur and, and doing my own thing. Because I, now I know, like, I'm not the only one feeling like, holy shit, there's no one we there can talk to about there this. There is life out there. There is life <laughs> <laughs> beyond the first month. <laughs> Shelly, what, <laughs> what from the podcast, uh, which lesson are you, did you take from, from what Brent said? What, what struck home for you? I think, and, and, and to quote Brent, is that um, action is the biggest defining factor. Because mm. you can have all of these ideas, you can you know, speak to your friends and family about them for years and years and years and years and years. And we've all got friends and family that do that. How many files of unactioned ideas have you got on your computer? Many. <laughs> <laughs> and, Little you know, notes and post-its <laughs> everywhere. But, but even speaking to, you know, throughout my career path and working with designers, they'll come and go, you know, I've got this, this, this amazing idea for this shelf or whatever, and it never happens. Yeah. Or what's even worse is if they, they've got the idea and then half a, a year later they go, you know what, I had that same idea. Look, Damn it, look, I had that someone idea. did it. Yeah. Um, and that I, that, 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 that the um, idea of actioning. Mm. So, yes, it may not be perfect, but it's as perfect as it's going to be. It needs to get out. Yeah. You know, you can iterate and correct along the way, but get it out mm. there. To waste your time on perfecting, perfecting, perfecting. There is, don't get me wrong, there's room for crafting, and we should craft and we should perfect. Mm -hmm. But there's also procrastinating yeah so if you and second guessing yes it, it, it's it's the proof will come a lot of the time when the mm. idea is out there once mm. you put the idea out that's your proof point if it doesn't work move on move on adapt much like on. this podcast much like this podcast. <laughs> well, i have no doubt be very different in a year's time to how to what it is now i bloody but hope so <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to happen in order for us to learn Yes, learning we, on the job. We have to face yeah. the, the the fear of, of, of the mic and audience repercussion or zero audience, which could also be the case. 
you've said that has now opened the sluice gates for audience replication. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Shelley. Thank you. Do you know how the internet works? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, but the I, idea I, of I do action. Yeah, I do think that, that, that action. That, and also constantly refining. So even when you are at the top of your game, you, you're still refining, you're still reinventing, you're still yeah. going. No one stays at the top of their game just because. Yeah, you know, that's um, be better, mm. you know, learning all, all the time. I, you know, I think that that was inspiring. Very cool. So who are we talking to on our next episode? What's, what, what can the listeners expect? Okay, so for, for our next episode, we're, we're going from a seasoned entrepreneur mm-hmm. um, to a startup business like ourselves that we got into studio and spoke with. Um, and they were literally, at oh. the time, five days old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they're an amazing, dynamic, young studio uh, by the name of Backroads. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And Shelly, if people want to get in touch with us, how can they reach us? Um, You can reach us on Facebook, just at Murmur, or on Instagram, at Murmur Originals. And then online, we're murmuroriginals.com. And we also have an email for feedback, questions, comments, um, slating, praise. Guinea pigs. (laughs) 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 The email is podcast at murmuroriginals.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.